All right, Joe, we are back on the podcast where we are training men in spiritual fitness. And uh, we've spent the past like month and a half now uh, talking about the life of Christian hero Hudson Taylor, uh, inspiring guys to read his autobiography and talk about it with their friends. Uh, guys have been spending, if you're joining the Hero Challenge, you've been spending the past uh, six weeks memorizing different promises of God, spending daily time in prayer, trying to hit that goal of 20 minutes of prayer a day. And um, man, I don't know, over these past six episodes that you and I have spent talking in and around the life of Hudson Taylor, we've kind of covered a lot, but I have one question that I really want us to answer today in this episode. Just just one question, because I think this one's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, Joe, you're you're a pastor, right? You're a pastor of a church, and I'm also one of the pastors at the church where I serve. And uh, I just had this question, man: What would it look like if Hudson Taylor joined your church? So now that we know a good bit about the life of Hudson Taylor, we're we're almost to the end of his autobiography. Uh, you get a sense of who he is, how he acts. We've heard a lot of crazy stories about him. So I just got that question for you. What would your church look like? What would happen if this Sunday Hudson Taylor walks in and he says, Joe, I'm joining your church? Wow. Uh, I think one thing that comes to mind is uh, we would find ourselves praying a lot more and uh, a lot more frequently. Uh, whatever team, whatever discipleship, whatever elders meeting, um, whatever's being done, um, there would be a moment where probably spontaneously, not the planned prayer that's, okay, let's pray to start the meeting, but there'd be some time in the meeting itself where it's like, okay, no, no we need to go pray right now. And we'd interrupt our discussion. We'd interrupt our action. And because uh, I think there's one thing that you see in his life that in these moments where it's just, you know, he's got to get into prayer and it doesn't matter what he's doing. It stops. Um, I think of there's a story where he's up in Canada and um, this is later in his life and he's speaking at some different meetings. And, um, you know, as a result of his speaking, there's all of this money that comes in for the mission. And the guy's traveling with, he takes it to Hudson Taylor and says, and he's, this guy's just super excited to tell Hudson Taylor, there's all this money for eight workers to go to China and be part of the mission. And he's just waiting for Hudson Taylor's response. And Hudson Taylor, is he's pretty stoic. He says kind of praise God under his breath, but then he immediately sort of drops into prayer. And he's praying because he wasn't expecting this. And there's this awareness that God has just done something that he doesn't know what he's done and why he's done it. And so he's got to figure out the will of God. Mm-hmm. And so I think that kind of just all of a sudden, We've got to pray right now about these circumstances. The church would be praying in that way. Yeah, I I don't think it would be possible for Hudson Taylor to join a church who wasn't willing to just be praying all the time. He he would definitely drive any church to pray. We've talked about before how many times the stories that Hudson Taylor tells, uh, they are all preceded by phrases like, um, after many days of praying, then I went and did this, yeah. thing. <laughs> you know, after wrestling with God in prayer, then I did it. So he just like, he, he clearly is a man who's yes, drawn to his knees in prayer and is simply okay with a, yes, a people, a group of people spending days in prayer over something that may even seem trivial to a lot of, you know, us these days, like, oh, maybe we just make that decision and move on. Uh, like you said, Hudson Taylor is like, no, 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 no. 
if I'm going to be in this church, we are going to God in prayer now, and we are going often, frequently. This is going to be a regular, regular rhythm. I think you're right. Okay, so what what else? He comes in. He definitely changes the prayer life of your church and of the individuals. What, what else is Hudson Taylor doing if he joins your church? You know, I think he's going to be talking a lot about um, kind of a spiritual secret, a kind of um, a discipline, you could say, that uh, that he had discovered was transformative and really encouraging people to experience this themselves. And uh, what I'm thinking about is um, there's this moment in his life where I mean, he's buried a wife, he's buried, I think, three or four children. And to be honest, he's a broken man. And uh, he's reading John 4 where Jesus encounters a woman at the well. And uh, he reads these words. He's read them a thousand times before, but if anyone thirsts, you know, let him come to me. Um, and this idea that uh, that deep thirst will be satisfied. And he realizes these are true words, but that they're present and that they're continuous, that when we thirst, you need to drink and continue to drink of the Lord Jesus. And when we do that, he satisfies our need. And so as, you know, Hudson Taylor's walking through this deep, dark valley of grief, what he's finding is that every time he thirsts, every single time, it can happen, you know, a hundred times in the same day, but every time he's thirsts, he has to go, he has to look to the Lord Jesus. And what he finds is that thirst is satisfied by Jesus. And, um, and he doesn't have to thirst. He never has to thirst again. Mm -hmm. And so I think he'd be telling all of us, whatever struggles that we have to really take Jesus at his word. And every time we thirst, drink of him and let his love satisfy us in that moment of pain or difficulty that we find ourselves in. That's good. Because, yeah, the picture you're painting there is, is of a guy who, uh, yeah, is is abiding in Christ, not just when we see him on Sundays at church, um, but it's this every moment of every day kind of thing. And that is one of the things I see in Hudson Taylor's life is um, that I would yeah, say, oh, he would he would bring that to to our church is the idea of a living life in Christ must be outside of just your regular worship gatherings. Like can't just be contained there. I mean, most of Hudson Taylor's life couldn't be just contained in a in a worship service. In fact, I mean look, Hudson Taylor was not a Christian hero because he led great worship services, right? <laughs> we do have the, I mean, I get it. There's there's the Charles Spurgeons, you know, uh, who by the way, was actually a lifelong supporter of Hudson Taylor, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he is one of these guys. Actually, I think if Hudson Taylor was was in my church, he would be pushing us outside the walls of the church and saying, "Wait, wait a second! This whole abiding in Christ thing this happens way more than just uh, reflectively as we hear the Word of God." reflectively as we sing the word of God, but we do this outside the walls of the church. He'd be pushing us into spaces where the church isn't and asking that question, where's the church not in my community and how can we go there? We see even like the chapters that the guys are going to read uh, this week. Uh, I think you're supposed to read 16, 17, 18 this week, guys, if you're following along with the hero challenge. But in one of those challenges, Hudson Taylor takes over a hospital like he, you know, all of a sudden he finds himself in charge of a hospital. And you ask yourself, why would a guy like him do that? Um, and I think there's a few reasons. One of which is, you know, he actually, his early years of training, if you remember from those early chapters, he was trained in medical stuff. So he, he kind of took 
what he knew, the, the expertise that he knew, and he applied it to the context where he was living. But he really saw the hospital as just another avenue to care for the needs of those that are around him, another avenue for evangelism and to bring the hope of the gospel to the hurting that were in his community. Then he was just like kind of constantly doing things like this, where he was outside the walls of any sort of church and just going and meeting the needs of people and going to places that, uh, I don't know, I think most churches would be like, wait a second, we're supposed to be there. We're supposed to be doing these things. Yeah. I think one of the, uh, really challenging things he says at one point back in England, he's preaching and he uh, talks about, you know, there's that story Jesus tells of, you know, if you have a hundred sheep and one goes astray, you leave the 99, you go find a sheep. And he says, well, what would ever happen if 99 left and there was only one? Well, then you know you'd go <laughs> seek after them all. And, uh, you know, I think he'd look at our communities and be like, hey, why are you staying in this building? You know, there are, uh, maybe it's not 99, but depending on where you live, there's 50 or, uh, you know, there's 75 that have left the pen and are just wandering on the street. So get out there, go find those people and uh, bring the good news to them as well. So yeah, he'd be pushing us outside our walls. Absolutely. I think one area where I it would be terrified to see Hudson Taylor step into my church is uh, if he came into like the finance team meeting. <laughs> right? Can you imagine Hudson Taylor uh, taking over a budget or anything like that? Like, oh, it, I, I would want to pull my hair out just thinking about it. The man is like constantly giving everything away and constantly like, no, no, well, let's just live on a zero dollar budget and, and God will provide everything, guys. It'll just work. out. I don't know. Like, wouldn't that be insane? Yeah. Yeah. I think he. Uh, how we spend our money would be different. You know, yeah. he'd be really pushing us to invest in mission and in, in workers, people who can really go out and get the gospel to people. Um, and he'd be he'd be happy. You know, I think he starts the the China Inland Mission. It's like he's got a dollar in the bank and the promises of God in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's all he needs. <laughs> it's like, right. you know, it'd be, right. At the end of the month, you know, he'd be giving money away. He'd be pushing it outside of uh, just the savings account or investments and um, into the place where it can do work for the kingdom of God. Yeah, I, I and the, one of the fun funny things about him, um, it's not in this book, I don't think, but if you read other biographies about him, and he starts, yeah, this China Inland Mission, and and the one of the distinctives of this mission is that it was the one of the first ones or the first one that didn't pay a salary to any of its missionaries. Right? <laughs> Again, like you would be a disaster for most finance teams and most guys that are used to, hey, I want to be a missionary. Here's your salary. He was like, you want to be a missionary. God will provide. Trust God. Like that was just his solution to everything is no, 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 we're not going to pay you a salary. God will provide. And he did. Um, but he also, yeah, had that thing. We, I think we talked about this last week where he's like, no, we're not going to ask people for money. God will provide. We actually ask for more than money. We want, we want your life, you know, just give your life over kind of thing. So it's just, yeah, the way he handled finances and what the budget line items would be in a church and wouldn't be, I think is a, is a bit, it's a bit challenging. Um, all right. So what else, when, when you look at your church, you see Hudson Taylor step in, what do you see him changing? Uh, I think, I think you're going to hear a common conversation. Uh, you know, there's a moment early in his life, this is before he even goes to China. He's like a teenager and uh, he's, he's basically sharing with a minister um, his desire to go to live by faith in China. And, and this guy's comment is, okay, that would work really well back when the apostles were around, but this is the wrong century. This is the wrong time. That's not how you live in today's world. And I think what would be constantly happening is people 
would unwittingly be taking on that voice of that old minister. They'd be looking at him saying, no, this is not maybe back then, but not now. You can't do this now. Yeah. And uh, I think he'd be preaching a very simple message to people. And it's a message you often preach. You used to often say, you know, that, uh, that there's a God, he's uh, spoken in his word, and you can believe what he says. And I think you would just hear him telling people, you know, so just that simple message, trust him, trust him, trust him, live by faith. I think too, uh, you know, I thought, I've thought of you often as I've read through this autobiography because of some of the things that Hudson Taylor quotes, uh, specifically being hymns. And as you know, you as the guy who wrote a book called Hymn Workouts, uh, I'm like, oh, Joe's totally digging this. But wouldn't it, you know, I, I think wouldn't he like push us in our church services to be singing hymns all the time? Yeah, he, he'd want these to be in our hearts. He'd, he'd want us to have words. You know, I mean, I think he'd nothing wrong. I mean, emotion, passion, let's let's express that before God. But he would know that there's going to be some real challenges where that emotion is not going to be present. So you're going to have to be able to dig down into your memory, excavate something yeah. that's going to put right before your eyes a critical truth about God that's so often, you know, put beautifully by a hymn. He'd be, hey, let's get these old, um, you know, uh, stanzas into our minds that we can really put our weight on them in those moments that we're struggling and we will be and he'd be telling us look it's they're going to be hard times prepare now get the truth in your heart that you need now so you're ready when that a dark moment comes yeah i feel like he would you know if he's your friend it, it both in church out, out of church he's the kind of guy who's you're going to catch him singing hymns and quoting hymns much yeah. more outside of church than in church you know that was the that's a big part of my life is my mom sung hymns like all the time, like annoyingly all the time, <laughs> but it, it did give me, you know, a base of uh, kind of catechism to speak of, you know, like who is God and what do we say of him? And I think that's what Hudson Taylor did. He'd be that friend that's leaving church, still singing hymns and you'd go have lunch with him after church. And he's still quoting some of these great truths of these hymns because there was actually to him a lot to be found and, and a lot that's helpful there. Uh, so yeah, I think he would definitely be that guy who uh, wakes up in the morning singing hymns and you know, <laughs> doing doing all those kind of things. Uh, what what else? What do you see? Hudson Taylor steps into your church. What, yeah. What's he doing? We're, we're, we're getting strategic about outreach. Um, think about uh, Hudson Taylor. You can talk about all this faith and you think, oh, he must just, just you know, kind of lived on the seat of his pants. He's just spontaneous. No, this <laughs> is a guy who had a map of China. You know, he's thinking, how many workers do I need to make sure this vast country can uh, be reached with the gospel. And so, you know, Evan, you're in South Louisiana, I'm in Scotland, he'd have a map, you know, he'd be thinking, what are the territories that are unreached? Where are there no churches right now, really faithful to the gospel? How do we begin to send out workers, plant churches or whatever uh, is needed? And there'd be a real strategic effort to raise up workers to make sure everybody gets to hear the gospel. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking in my book real quick uh, to see yeah, it was chapter 18, which you guys will read this week. He he just briefly mentions Joe, just like in, in humility, this this little pamphlet that he, he wrote called, called yeah. China's Spiritual Need and Claim. I don't think guys get get a sense, a true sense of what this pamphlet that he wrote really is and the effect that it had. I mean, so we, when you read that and that that he he wrote this little thing and had a, you know some copies printed to hand out this was a game changer it was a game changer for china it was a game changer 
honestly, for missions moving forward, it changed the whole way that missionary agencies operate and think, because what he did is he brought a strategy to it. And uh, if you read, I, I flipped through, actually, that you can get a copy of the pamphlet online. And if you flip through it, uh, he is he goes in painstaking detail. He actually, man, Scotland is actually all throughout it, Joe. I don't know if you flip through. He he gives a lot of visuals. So he'll say, hey, here's how many people Scotland has. And he has a little visual. Here's how many people China has. <laughs> and here's the lost people in Scotland. Here's the lost people in China. But he's just trying to paint a clear portrait of the deep need of this place, China. And specifically, what are the issues they're dealing with? What are the areas that the gospel needs to make an impact there? And uh, and he was very, like you said, he was very, very strategic. And it ended up, I mean, if you look at the way he wrote a mission statement for his China Inland Mission, uh, it, it really set a new standard for how missionary operations um you know, plan and strategize moving forward. So yeah, this dude would come into our church and just write a whole strategy, like within the first weekend. It's not like we kind of, like you said, we kind of get the sense he's just kind of all over the place. That is not either. No. Dude had strategy. Dude, he, he knew what he was doing and wanted to do and uh, really thought a lot about it. I think the other thing with that, he'd be emptying, if I'm thinking of the church I'm pastoring, he'd be emptying my church from our best people. The, the effect of Hudson Taylor is wherever he goes, people are being inspired to go be mission missionaries elsewhere and to really serve God. And so, you know, you look at it's like incremental. Initially he gets his 24 and then it kind of bumps it up and then he gets to like a hundred. And then by the time he's like a old man, like there's thousands of people, yes. you know, being sent. And so it's like those people that I love having in church because they're so faithful and they're so mature and they've got such gifting. I'd find no, their seats gone. empty because yeah, they're gone. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Hudson Taylor took him. He would be stealing all your people to go do, yeah, to go do God's work. Yes, it's so true. It's exactly what would happen. Yeah, get get used to some empty pews, Joe. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, what else? Give me one or two other things that you would see Hudson Taylor doing uh, in your church. I think uh, one thing is he wouldn't just affect the kind of thermostat of kind of missional engagement and evangelism. Mm. Like that would be happening. But the thing about him is he would also be affecting the internal temperature, like mm. the actual devotion and uh, degree to which people are really inspired to pursue holiness. And that was a huge part of who he was as a man. And he said some really challenging things. One of the things that he said um, that, that I keep having rattling around my head is uh, at one point he's talking about sin. And he's got a kind of zero tolerance attitude with sin when it comes to the people he's recruiting and in his own life. And uh, he talks about how sin, even though forgiven, it's never undone. Its consequences remain. He talks about every sin committed is a seed sown and abides in its consequences. And however secret it may have been, it shall, as the Savior teaches, be brought to light. And I think, I mean, that kind of um, desire to be holy as God is holy, I think I struggle. I think most guys in today's world, you know, honestly, we're pretty relaxed. You know, if it's not a really grievous sin, we're not too bothered by it. He'd be that guy pushing us to really probe our conscience and to really step up to a kind of sensitivity that honestly would probably be irritating to us. And that we find, you know, just really unsettling. 
Yeah, I'm glad you finally called him irritating because I I agree. <laughs> he would be. Yeah, he would attack our personal holiness and yes, say that we got to take these things seriously. He would be that irritating guy that said, and, and answer everything. Just you need to trust God. Anytime you brought up an anxiety of any yeah. sort in church, you know, if anybody came, okay, well, this is our time to trust God. This he would just be irritatingly pushing us towards that, and yes, making us. To better men, pushing us towards godliness, not just, you know, hey, go do these things. Like, wait, check your heart. Where are you at? What, you know, what are you doing with sin? Have you even addressed that? He he was that guy. Um, there's another thing I think of that I think guys may miss a little bit as they read this book. Because look, I'm be honest, I think this book is a little bit of false advertising in the life of Hudson Taylor, because there's one thing that's really hidden in this book that if you read the other biographies, you get a better sense of. And it just pops out all of a sudden, as it, you'll notice as you're reading in chapter 16, you're like, wait, Hudson Taylor's married? Like he he buries the lead and he's like, he brings up all of a sudden that he's married and that yes, he has children. He does not talk about that in his autobiography at all. And some of that is just the the way this autobiography was compiled. He didn't set out to, to write an autobiography of his life. This is just a few letters and articles that he wrote for you know, the missions agency um, that were compiled later into what we call an autobiography. Um but you don't get a sense, if you're reading this book, you don't get a sense at all for his family life. And I think one thing he would do inside a church, if he came and joined one of our churches, is that he would help people to see that missions, evangelism, all of this, this is a family activity. Like this is a, a, a call for a family. He brings his wife and children along. His wife is the one that helped him to write that pamphlet that made such a big impact. She was the one that was with him there, right? Like she made huge impacts on the China Inland Mission and everything that he did. And you don't really get a sense of that again as you're reading the autobiography. But I think that's one thing he would push men in our churches to see and to realize is that this is a household issue. Um, that this is something not that, hey, men, we need to be going and doing the work of God, but men, gather your household, start there, and then let's let's begin to take our children uh, in the day to day and take our wives, that, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. And I think his marriage, I mean, he's married twice because the first wife dies, but both cases, I mean, it's their biographies are needed as well, because yeah. I mean, they're every bit as remarkable as he is. And so really a team, you know, two people that are fully committed to the work of the Lord have a shared sense of calling and just the, uh, the way that that multiplies, you know, the impact. Um, I think maybe the, the, the last thing I'd say is all of this would be happening in a way that Hudson Taylor was still somehow in the shadow. Hmm. And what I mean by that is one of the things that's so clear is the humility of this guy. Like he would not be asking, you know, to be in the limelight. Um, he would not be the first to raise his hand in a meeting and speak. Somehow there'd be this kind of quiet guy who just, who he was would have this catalyst effect on people around him. But again, without a kind of assertion, without a kind of uh, pretentiousness or pride, it would be done in a way that you'd be left thinking that man, when I think of humility, his face is what comes to my mind. That's good. That's good. Yeah, you're right. He would be unnoticed in a lot of senses. What would be noticed is the the effects and changes that were happening in and around the church. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah. That, that things would begin to change, but not because he's boisterous being up. Put me on stage. He's not that guy. He's not that guy. 
Um, well, guys, I, this is something I want you to talk about amongst your friends this week. I think this is could be a fun exercise, Joe, for like groups of men who yeah. are doing this challenge together. Um, you know, being able to ask one another, "Hey, guys, what would it look like in our context if if Hudson Taylor came and joined our church? What would uh, some of the changes be? What are what would uh, you know some of the things that he would try to implement?" And I think bigger picture there, be, being able to realize you are that guy like dude if you're out there ask like don't wait for hudson taylor to come into your church and uh, you be that guy we're trying to push groups of men to be men who are trusting in god be men of prayer to be men who are pushing forward that's our desire we don't want to sit and wait on guys like hudson taylor to come you are that man so go be it take your friends along with you and yes begin to infect your churches your local church and be begin to support one another encourage one another drive each other to prayer more and more and more these are the things we want to see happening in local churches all around the world uh, so we hope you guys will begin that effort and uh, and then we look y'all join us next week we got one more week of this hudson taylor challenge it's going to keep going keep pressing Pressing forward in those difficult habits of, yes, praying for 20 minutes a day, memorizing and meditating on those promises of God. It's these kind of things that are going to help us to be the men that we know that our churches need, that our communities need. So y'all do that. Join us again next week.